Welcome back to a podcast greater than yourself, season two. I'm John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And once again, this is season two of a podcast greater than yourself, our series called Clear Cut Directions, where each episode, a speaker takes you through the clear cut directions for a specific step or steps right out of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. So yeah, enjoy, enjoy this episode. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback on all the podcasts that are coming out. Reach out to us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com. Yeah, or or hit us up on Instagram at podcastgreaterthanyourself or at dr underscore silkworth. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. Hello, my name is Blake, and I'm an alcoholic, and I am here to discuss the clear-cut directions for Step 11 in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. So um, just to start off, I kind of want to recap a couple things here. If I'm even looking at this stuff, the implication or understanding is that I've already been through the first nine steps and entered into the directions of Step 10 which uh, was just discussed in the series. And as I'm cleaning up the past, i.e. doing my amends and stuff, and then, you know, it's the only place in the book where in the directions it tells us that we should move forward with the steps before we're done with a step. So this process that the book's going to lay out for me is going to give me this daily plan for structuring my life and the end to that the purpose of that is so that I can foster and deepen this connection and this relationship that I have with the God of my own understanding so there's a couple things I want to look at when we're looking at this real quick Um, I'm not really like a dictionary guy Uh, the whole you know, Webster's defines blah, blah, blah as this. But um, I do think that it's helpful here because as a person coming to the 12 steps, like I had 7 billion ideas of what meditation was and exactly zero of them were what the book Alcoholics Anonymous describes as meditation. So I think that it's quite helpful to look at what Webster's particularly had to say about meditation in the dictionaries that were published at the time of this book being written. So the definition just basically of meditation says, uh, close or continued thought, the turning or revolving of a subject in the mind, serious contemplation, reflection, musing. Uh, Some of my old ideas about meditation have been pretty useful And others have been quite distracting when trying to adhere to the uh, directions of step 11 as a daily way of life. And so what I want to talk about first and foremost and mainly here is the fact that the book gives us a daily structure uh, 
in really specific, detailed directions on how to live a thought life based in prayer meditation. So let's take a look at uh, page 85 first. And there's a line here toward the bottom of the page. It says, if we have carefully followed directions... We have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further. And that means more action. So uh, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but when I first was given the uh, direction to, you know, further my spiritual development with prayer meditation, action was like the furthest adjective from my mind. Um, I, I did not think of prayer as an action. I did not think of meditation as an action. So let's look at page 88 real quick, because between that paragraph in 85 and what I'm about to read in 88, 100% of the directions for step 11 as outlined in, in the book Alcoholics Anonymous are contained. So Everything that step 11 encompasses is going to be outlined right here between these pages. Page 88, it says, We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. It says that because it's referencing this on awakening and this when we retire at night. All of that is the entire directions for the actions that we take to be able to say, I daily practice step 11 out of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, also within those pages, between those two paragraphs I just referenced, is a little bit that basically opens us up to do anything else in addition to the directions that are contained here. So step 11 is quite rightly viewed by a lot of people as a very open uh, roomy spiritual practice where we're seeking more God. And I think that the only caveat to that would be as long as I'm doing all of that stuff, those old ideas, those other ideas, other literature, other practices, in addition to, but never instead of the clear cut directions between pages 85 and 88, I'm still golden if I say, hey, I practice a daily 11 step for Alcoholics Anonymous. So anything that we're going to discuss right now that isn't in these pages, just go ahead and count that as not being part of the directions for step 11. You know, some of this is going to be my own experiences. Some of it's going to be my own opinions, things that I practice, things that I have learned and experienced. And um, just know all of that is based out of a daily discipline of following the exact directions that are in these pages and not substituting other things instead of them, but supplementing that practice with some other stuff. So I do want to point this out. If we look at page 13 in Bill's story, I'm not sure that there's another place in the book that kind of so directly refers to silent meditation. In Bill's story, it says, I was to sit quietly when in doubt asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. And I want to read that because as we start going into the directions for step 11, I want you to think about, you know, what 
are they saying this meditative practice is and what are they not saying this meditative practice is? So we're going to look at page 86. It says, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So I want to pause right here. I take as literal an interpretation of this as possible. So I get up. I don't go make coffee. I don't make breakfast. I don't have a bagel, watch the news. I, you know, I don't send emails. I get up. I maybe, you know, grab a drink. And then I personally have a dedicated space for this where I can get quiet with God. I ask God to direct my thinking. I ask God especially to divorce my thinking from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. And then I just consider my plans for the day. Now, there's any number of ways to do this. I often have a little notebook by me. You'll notice nowhere in this reading that we're going to read does it ever say, you know, have a notebook. So again, that's one of my little things that I have there. But I want you to pay attention to exactly what's being said here. So... So far, our exact specific directions for step 11 in the morning are on awakening. Now, remember, this that's a direction, on awakening. This isn't on my way to work. On awakening, think about my plans for the day. Consider the day ahead, you know. So I'm going to sit there and I'm, I'm literally just going to go, okay, uh, I'm going to finish my 11-step stuff. I'm going to get breakfast, walk the dog on and on. You know, I just kind of plot out the day. Um, I personally have sort of a back and forth, a literal conversation with my higher power. God, what would you have me do today? And this next paragraph kind of opens us up to that process as well. It says, in thinking about our day, so, so this is referencing the process just described in the directions. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask God to direct our thinking, blah, blah, blah. And then we're going to consider our plans for the day. So in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. So I might be able to be, you know, smooth sailing until I get to work in my plans. And then I'm kind of like uh, zoning out. I don't know what's going on, etc. We may not be able to determine which course to take. So I don't really know where to go here. So here we ask God for inspiration an intuitive thought or decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. So I'm literally sitting here. I'm thinking, here's what I'm going to do today, God. What do you have for me? And then I kind of get hung up. Hey, God, show me what you would have me do today. What's on the agenda? Where are we going? And I remember, just like we're going to look at in the nightly review next, I remember I'm not going to kick my ass over this over getting hung up on, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing today. I'm just going to relax and take it easy. I'm going to ask God for help. I'm going to relax and take it easy. Let the answers come, right? I'm taking actions and I'm going to let the answers come. 
says, we are often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Practice makes perfect, right? This is the progress, not perfection thing. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. So, real quick, I want to look back at page 59. When we talk about this idea of conscious contact with God, let's just illustrate this real quick. So it says, here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. So step two in the program of recovery is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So as Dawn so expertly covered in her episode this season... This is a process that happens as the direct result of the steps. I come to believe, you know, the book tells me on page 47, the only requirement for me to say, yeah, I did step two is for me to answer one question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe there is a power greater than myself? That's it. So if we're looking at step two and you know, my baseline is, me personally, here's where I was. Okay, I am willing to believe there is a power greater than myself. That's it. I'm willing to say that, and that's it. I got nothing more for you. If we're there at step two, right? And let's skip down to step 11. It says, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So what we see is at step 11, I'm not, I'm not in a process of coming to believe. I'm not, it's not vague. There's no vagaries in this direction on page 59. What there is, is there's some huge, huge keywords here. Conscious contact. So something big has happened between step two and step 11. A lot of people call these the action steps, and then they call 10, 11, and 12 the maintenance steps. So here's my issue with that. If if I were just maintaining what had happened in the supposed action steps, then wouldn't step 11 say that I was seeking through prayer meditation to maintain my conscious contact with God? It's not what it says. It says that I'm seeking to improve my conscious contact with God. And this is back to this paragraph that we just read. It says, being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable we're going to be inspired at all times. So if I continue to live this life, if I continue to live a thoughtful, considered thought life, and I continue to build on the experience of doing that, of taking these actions every night, every morning, what's going to happen is I'm going to improve and build upon earlier in the book, they say perfect and enlarge my spiritual experience, right? So what in the beginning is just the acknowledgement of being willing to believe there's something greater than myself through the process of the steps four through nine, mainly I come to a place where I have a conscious connection with some power greater than me, which I am now tasked with improving upon daily, right? So right after that, it talks about how these intuitions, these hunches, these occasional inspirations, 
gradually this is going to start, my thinking is going to be more and more in line with these inspirations, right? Some people call it God consciousness. They talk about that in the spiritual appendix at length. Um, really, what this is, in my experience, is the soft, quiet voice that knows what to do, you know? Um, when I started doing this, this was something more akin to like a feeling like uh, just an intuition, you know, move this direction, go this direction. And really, and I was so, you know, I was less than a month sober when I started 10 and 11 and 12. And I've got years of pills coming out of my brain still. So I'm not really super attuned with, you know, higher spiritual functions at this time. But I can read directions and I can follow those actions that it's suggesting for me. And what I can tell you 100% from my personal experience is that there's three reasons that I have woken up every single day since I started doing step 11 at, I don't know, 22 or 23 days sober, whatever it was. And taking these actions. And those three reasons are I had a very powerful step one experience that absolutely convinced me that I would continue to drink and use drugs even when I didn't want to unless my thinking changed and my spiritual life was expanded. Um, the second reason is I had an experience in my late teens, early 20s where I was in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous doing, quote, the steps. And in hindsight, I realize now that I had literally zero experience with steps 10 and 11 and failed to enlarge and perfect my spiritual experience, right? So I didn't take advantage of these tools at that point. And so what that serves for me now as is another means of convincing me that this is the piece that I cannot miss in, in the program. The third reason is the most obvious and simple. If I didn't wake up every single day and do this for even like five days and see it working in my life, I, I wouldn't continue doing it. You know, I do this, I follow these directions every day because this 100% works in my life. So what I want to look at next is this following paragraph on page 87. It says, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. It goes on a little bit about that. But what I really want to draw your attention to here is we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. Meaning they have just described the period of meditation. So if we go back to the definition we started the talk here with today of meditation being, uh, you know, Thoughtful contemplation, continued thought, turning a revolving of subject in the mind, serious contemplation, reflection, musing. If we're thinking of that instead of, you know, some old ideas, some other ideas, some 
totally groovy outside literature ideas that aren't summarized here. What we see is that what this text is describing as meditation is a thoughtful contemplation of what's going to happen in my day today, where I'm going to be of use, how I'm going to bring God into things, how I'm going to put God first, how I'm going to seek inspiration, how I'm going to try to be more helpful in more places today. So I feel that it's really helpful to point that out because so many people I end up working with have this concept, you know, how it works, talks about old ideas. They have these old ideas where it's like we get to this point in the steps and then, and then, you know, we go through the directions and into action 84 through 88 steps 10 and 11. And then, you know, I talked to him a few weeks later down the line, you know, we've talked a few times and stuff's not really improving for them. And then anytime somebody calls me with an issue and they seem moody, they seem jaded or disconnected, bored, whatever. My question is the same. Are you working with people? Are you carrying the message? What does your 11 step look like? What does your daily prayer meditation look like? I haven't heard 10 steps from you, or maybe I have, but you know, where are you in the directions? And so often there will be a response where it's like, okay, so here's what my meditation life looks like. I put on some soft music and I imagine myself as a sand dune and I'm you know, swaying in the breeze and there's like a tumbleweed, you know, like th thoughts or tumbleweeds or leaves that float by. And if they come up, I just let them go. Like really esoteric conceptual stuff, which is, again, super groovy and cool. But my my comment is always, I don't remember, you know, going over that in, in these directions. And um, just like this book never tells me that I need to get on my knees and pray to Allah or Jesus Christ um, and that I have to pray a certain way or, you know, whatever. Th this book also goes out of its way to, to not tell me exactly how to meditate, to not tell me that I need to do all this esoteric stuff, which would frankly turn off a lot of people and which some people would ultimately in their spiritual practice inevitably find distracting and, you know, not useful. What it does is it gives me concrete, specific directions on how to structure my, my day, how to have a considered thought life, how to seek daily inspiration minute by minute. And how to ultimately grow in understanding and effectiveness by doing so. So let's take a look at page 86 and you know, we're going to pretend we went through our whole day and we're, we're back home. We've done a bunch of amazing things for humanity and treated everyone like a brother and we love everybody and we've, you know, whatever. So top page 86, when we retire at night, so we reviewed the morning, what we do. Now we're going to look at what we do at night. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. So again, uh, we're not trying to kick our ass. We're trying to look at how we did. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? 
Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others? Of what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So first thing that you'll notice is the striking resemblance in uh, about two-thirds of this paragraph to the directions for step 10 on page 84. It's almost just a copy-and-paste job. Why is that, right? So... I think that that is part of what causes a lot of confusion in a lot of meetings where people are tasked with talking about step 11 and like me in my, you know, first couple attempts at AA have absolutely no clue what the directions are for step 11 and, you know, have kind of maybe confused the fact that like this nightly review thing, oh, that's my daily inventory. So inventory, that's a 10-step, blah, 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 whatever. So what we're looking at here is essentially layman's terms. How did I do on steps 10 and 12 today? Now, we're kind of going to get into some other stuff with this, you know, Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more in the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. This trial and error thing, this constantly seeking God through the day thing, um, that's some 11-step stuff that's also, you know, in this nightly review page, right, or paragraph. So what we're looking at is, did I put God first? Did I put other people ahead of me? What parts of self blocked me from the sunlight of the spirit today? What could I have done better? You know, how could I have gotten out of God's way more? How could I have reached out to more people? Were there missed opportunities? And also, like, what did I do well, right? Because it's asked me, like, was I thinking of other people more than myself? Was I kind and loving toward all? Sometimes, <laughs> not always. Sometimes I have a nightly review where I'm like, I, I packed into the stream of life today. I did a bunch of stuff for other people. I rarely thought of myself. And uh, net result, great day. Great day for God and God's kids because I did some stuff for God's kids today. And sometimes I go through these and I, you know, I'm kind of down about half of them. You know, I'm kind of bummed out. I keep a notebook and I write this out. Um, if, you know, again, there's no direction in here that says, write this on a, on a piece of paper. Um, I feel like I didn't learn how to, you know, document stuff in step four to permanently stop writing from there after the, after that in the program. Um, that's just me. And it's not just cause, oh, your sponsor said that to you or whatever, when you got sober, it's because for me personally, the amount of stuff that happens between my brain and my hand writing on a piece of paper is like 7,000 times greater than what happens between my mind thinking about something and my mind just thinking about it. You know, like if it just stays in my head, it just stays in my head. So I answer all these questions on paper, you know, and sometimes um, I will answer them one by one. You know, I don't have an app. Um, 
You know, I, I've never seen an app that doesn't confuse 10 and 11. And even if it did um, get them straight, I'm just not personally interested in ticking a box that says yes or no. Was I resentful? Um, you know, I write a little paragraph. It takes, I don't know, five minutes to write to write out the answers to these questions. Basically, I'm just like summing up my day. It's the exact inverse of what I do in the morning. In the morning, I'm like, hey, here's what we're going to do today. This sounds great after I pray for direction. And at night, I write out what happened. I write out where I was most useful. I write out where I could have been more useful. And then I don't drift into worry or remorse. I don't mull it over. I don't write a gratitude list to make up for stuff I did wrong. I don't send this to my sponsor. I don't list out character defects and their opposites. Like I, I, I don't do any of that stuff. What I do is I ask God's forgiveness for where I fell short. And I ask God what corrective measures should be taken. So right here is a good point to, again, make a delineation between the directions of the book and what I personally do. So here at night, I do a period of silent contemplation, meditation. So after I've written this out, I do a period of meditation and then I do some prayers. And, um, you know, I do the same thing in the morning. You know, after I plot out my day, I, I ask God anything else you know, let me know, God. And I, I work in some other prayers, you know. Of course, there's the prayer on page 164, you know, to show me what I can do for those who are still sick today. And there's some other stuff in there. I have a silent period of meditation where I'm trying to be open to God. I'm trying to shut up and not be the one speaking and just, like, be open. And what ends up happening is sometimes I get a direct inspiration in that moment, in those moments of silence, or often while I'm writing my nightly review or while I'm considering my plans for the day in the morning. And uh, I like to write down those inspirations or act on them immediately. And um, that's the kind of thing that results in more and more opportunities to be of use to other people, whether that's my family my friends, people in AA, um, you know, reaching out for service opportunities, creative endeavors, you know, podcast stuff, music stuff, whatever it is, God shows up when I show up and ask for God to show up, period. So on page 87... It says, if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. So what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, I'm going to get sober and blast through the steps and get to 10 and 11 and suddenly start guilt tripping my partner into, you know, being obligated to do this prayer meditation life with me? No, that, that's not how I read that. Uh, the way that I read that is, hey, if you're interested, I would love to include you in this part of my life. No, you're not? Okay, cool. That's cool, too. Awesome. Um, 
I also read that like, you know, in the olden days when we would travel for conferences and stuff before everything was face masks and hand sanitizer, you know, you'd like share a hotel room with a bunch of drunks and, you know, hey, let's, let's do some 11 together, you know? And, um, that's a really cool way to grow with people to just sit and be quiet in a room and be around other people who are doing the same thing that you're doing, following these directions, taking these actions, having these cool ass experiences in their life and sharing a, a moment of silent contemplation of your creator. It says, if we belong to a religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. This I would love to talk about for a minute because I've seen multiple times where whole meetings or like workshops uh, are based simply on this one line, be quick to see where religious people are right. So I feel like the only issue with that is that we're taking that out of context. It's the same thing. I feel as if you take the line, easy does it out of the family afterward and just say, Oh, easy does it. Easy does it just about anything. You know, my sponsor said that I need to launch into a course of vigorous action for step four. Hey, easy does it buckaroo. Um, I don't feel like that's what that means. I feel like that's telling me to go easy with my family and not expect them to instantly want to join me in morning meditation, etc. Um, obviously many other things, but in this context, I think it's pretty obvious what the book is saying here is that thousands of years of religious and spiritual devotion, dedication, education, seeking, uh, writing, meditating is an, is an almost endless well from which we can tap into this thing called God, right? So my sponsor puts this in a great way and you know, it's obviously not his invention, but he says, there's no bad way to seek God. So I love this paragraph on 87 for numerous reasons. One of which is if we look at the shift from earlier, from step two, merely being willing to believe there's a power going through the work, getting to step 11 and seeking to improve our conscious contact with that power. Even though we've gone through that massive upheaval, many of us have experienced this, you know, entire psychic change by this point, even though we're there and we're entering into this daily life of 10 and 11 and 12 the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, still says at this place in the book, we may not be members of any kind of religion. And that's very, very important for me to get clear, especially in sponsorship, because I could take my own baloney that works for me, whether it's you know, imagining myself as a sand dune with the tumbleweeds and all that stuff, or whether it's, you know, some cherished religion that's 
steeped in tradition that I grew up with and that I find very effective and deeply meaningful in my life. And I could absolutely force feed that even through gentle suggestion and color and compromise a new person's spiritual experience that's supposed to be their very own thing by simply not adhering to this part of the direction, by not acknowledging that even after a spiritual experience has taken place, many of us are not going to be religious people, you know? So like, for me, this is moral stuff. Am I going to say, hey, my, my morals say that uh, my sponsees don't swear in meetings. My morals say that my sponsees don't date people in the rooms. You know, um, these people may not be part of any kind of spiritual organization that I am other than Alcoholics Anonymous. And as a sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's up to me to lay the spiritual kit of tools at their feet that's called Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's it. And part of that spiritual toolkit is a whole paragraph that says, go out and seek God any way that you want. Because right above this, on the same page, it tells me, you're gonna make mistakes. You're new at this. You know, so go chant, go be a Buddhist, yoga, Go do whatever, Reiki, whatever it is, a bunch of things that I have no idea about. Please, by all means, go seek them out. Be quick to see where those people are right and make use of what they offer because tons and tons of religious people and spiritual people, different denominations, have all kinds of things that they can offer you in the way of spiritually seeking access to more power. So it continues, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Back to step three stuff. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, or really humbly saying this to God, thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. These are dangerous things is what it's telling me. Excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. This goes hand in hand with not kicking my ass when I can't think of what to do with my day or not kicking my ass when I fell short at night. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did. We are trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. Step three stuff, right? It works. It really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. So the daily practice of step 10 and step 11 is an outline for God to discipline us, for God to whip us into shape, for God to make us more effective, more understanding, more useful to God and the people about us. So what does this look like further down the road? So for me personally, my view of steps 10, 11, and 12, nothing original, but in step 10, I'm continuing to address parts of self that 
block me from effectiveness, right? I'm ostensibly a perfect 10 step would have me constantly being cleaned out of these character defects and directed toward helping other people. Step 12 would be where that 10 step leads into, which is being of use to others, carrying this message, actively seeking out opportunities to do that and living these principles in my daily life. Which brings us to step 11, which is where I fill up, you know? So if 10, if I'm getting emptied out of self and 12, I'm going and helping other people, 11 is where I'm filling back up. So Peter M., amazing speaker, very well known, often references going to the ocean with a thimble, right? And it's a great concept. Works perfectly for this if I go to the ocean with a thimble, I'm going to get a thimble full of ocean water. And this brings us back to this page 87 idea of there's no bad way to seek God. So in my daily life, if I'm allowing my life to be structured by this discipline, by this practice that I get better and better at adhering to, what ends up happening is all throughout the day, I start to sense more and more inspirations. I have days where I follow those inspirations, that simple, clear voice that always knows the right thing to do, a little intuitive feeling. I learn to follow that more and more. And, and on days where I follow that more and more, I have a nightly review that's clean and beautiful and joyful and calming and an excellent experience. Things that have come about in my life through the daily application of this discipline is that I'll have an issue, um, you know, health issue or something, and um, I will see it come up in my nightly review over and over again, you know, a couple days in a row, a week straight, you know, a week and a half. And I'll see, you know, I'm doing step 10 on this stuff, I'm taking inventory, I'm talking to my sponsor. I'm sponsoring a bunch of people. I'm taking the actions that the book suggests and there's something missing. And inevitably I find personally that what's missing is I'm not actually taking action on this thing, you know? So for me, part of why I write out that nightly review is because it's a very clear way for me to see patterns in where it is I'm falling short in my daily living. If I see something pop up, you know, if I'm writing something out like over and over again, it becomes a lot more real to me, you know, as opposed to just sitting there and thinking out this review. So I'll see something and I'll go, okay, uh, I need to uh, go a little deeper with this. I'll devote more time to step 11, you know, um, some health issue, some money thing, job thing, whatever it is. These things are not going to magically be fixed by me writing inventory about them. I have to actually seek to be filled with the knowledge of what God wants from me in these situations. And so I go deeper on 11, you know, I don't take a thimble. I want a dump truck full of ocean water, right? So I go deeper. I spend more time in meditation, more time in prayer. I'll set out 
a few different times of day to do this. Hey, lunch break. Cool. That's going to be 45 minutes of lunch break with 15 minutes of prayer meditation. Um, and I follow those inspirations on doing things like that, on adding time to seek more of access to more power. Right. And so in doing that, what inevitably happens is I will follow some decision that comes to me in that clear, quiet, concise voice. I'll follow that. I'll take action on it. And several months down the line, I will see that there's a cascading series of events that have come to pass out of little tiny inspirations and actions that I followed those inspirations with that led me to big, huge things happening in my life that I never thought were a possibility for me. And, and even looking back, see no roadmap to other than those tiny inspirations followed by tiny decisions, followed by tiny actions that all seemed like happenstance when I look back. But today that I understand is a higher power working in my life. Again, as the book says, you know, this is something that we're going to get better with only through action. In step 10, we talked about it. It's a spiritual program of action, meaning I'm not going to grow spiritually by thinking about stuff. I'm going to grow spiritually by taking action. And if you haven't had the experience of living in these step 11 directions daily, like I've been talking about, I, I can't encourage anything more, you know, obviously go through all of the steps up to 11 before you start this, like the book suggests, but living in this daily discipline, having a thought life, considered life, a more spiritually grounded life, a way to bookend my day with morning stuff and evening stuff and tools to use in between. Uh, this is absolutely responsible for, for deepening and expanding not only my spiritual life, but my usefulness, my joy, and my dedication to the things that feel fruitful and honest and pure in my life. And I think that's all I have to say on step 11. was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.